Wonderful. Just a warm word of welcome to those who are watching online. I hope you've been able to hook up with us today and uh, share in this teaching. And uh, as you will know here, we are starting a new series today entitled The Three Anointings or Three Aspects of the Anointing of Jesus the Messiah. We're going to be looking at Jesus as prophet, priest, and king today. And then over the next three weeks, we're going to take each of these anointings separately and talk about your priestly anointing, your prophetic anointing, and your authority in Christ. So it's an adventure and it's a journey. And normally when I teach this, it's actually uh, quite an extended teaching that I've been teaching for some time in the Bible school. Uh, I take a long time over, over each and every one of these. Uh, so pray that God will give me the gift of Holy Ghost selection so that we can share exactly what the Holy Spirit wants us to hear. And I would tell you straight up from the beginning that uh, my goal, my desire in teaching you this series is that you would get to know Jesus better, that you would receive a spirit of wisdom and revelation for the knowledge of Christ, to know him better, that you would see how all of that Jesus has done for us that flows from his wonderful messianic anointing ministers to every part of our needs and also that he imparts that anointing to us because we are called to be a prophetic people. Did you know that? I believe in the prophethood of all believers as I believe in the priesthood of all believers and I also believe that we have wonderful authority in the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ. So let's see how the Holy Spirit will lead us. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we do pray that you would pour out upon us the divine spirit of wisdom and revelation that we may know you better, that we might experience who you are, that a fresh revelation of Jesus Christ will be imparted into our spirit that we would rise up in the strength of that wisdom and knowledge and be strengthened knowing what is our hope, knowing what is our assurance. And that also, Lord, we will come to understand the beautiful anointings that operate in our lives as believers and members of Christ's body. That we would rise up in our prophetic anointing, that we would minister before you as kings and priests to our God, but most of all, we pray that you would impart to us more of Jesus. Amen and amen. I'd like you to turn in your Bibles to the book of Matthew chapter 3. As I mentioned, today I'll be speaking to you about the anointing of Jesus the Christ and how he was anointed to be our great prophet high priest and king. So let's read of the anointing that Jesus received. Now before we read this passage, I want you to understand that Jesus did not become the Christ because he was anointed. In fact, he was anointed because he was the Christ. This experience we're about to read was the public attestation by way of the anointing to whom Jesus was. In other words, it was God's affirmation of who he was. He didn't become something different. Up until this time, he was not just Jesus the carpenter, and suddenly now he becomes Jesus the Christ because he is anointed. No, he always was the eternal son of the eternal God, always the anointed one. But this manifestation of the anointing of God signaled the message to all around that this was the Christ, but that also his ministry on the earth would be activated. Up until this time, he lived a relatively obscure life, but still coming to the attention of the Father. And it's when John the Baptist baptized Jesus. Matthew chapter 3, verse 16. 
when he, Jesus, had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water and behold, the heavens were opened to him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. And suddenly a voice from heaven came saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. When Jesus Christ was anointed, he was anointed with a threefold anointing that corresponds to three major functions, three major ministries, three offices to be our prophet, our priest, and our king. Now, Jesus has many, many titles. He is the Son of God. He is the Savior. He is Lord. Many, many titles. But perhaps all of these can be summed up as prophet, priest, and king. They are who he is. They are what he is. And they are also why he is. So this tells us who he is, what he is, and why he is. What he came to do. And who he is. Christ or Messiah. Mashiach in the Hebrew. Means anointed one. And uh, these three aspects. Are three aspects of his anointing as Christ. So in my generic title. I, I said the three anointings. Which really is to show that we're going to look at these aspects. But really there is only one anointing. And that's the Holy Spirit's work upon him and his, the Holy Spirit's work upon us. But these three aspects are the aspects of his Messiahship. And I want you to notice as we go through that each and every one of these is associated with and linked to who he is as the Son of God. We need to understand that unless Jesus Christ, the Messiah, is the Son of God, then he is not truly Messiah. If he is not Son of God, then we are not saved. We cannot know him as prophet or priest or king unless he is Son of God. Many people say we accept him as prophet but not as son. If he is not son, he is not prophet. And we would not experience his ministry as prophet or priest or king if he was not the son of God. I want you to notice that as we go through. So all these elements are combined in the idea of Messiah. Indeed, when we say Messiah, we should think of these three aspects rather like light passing through a prism and split up into a myriad different colors. Well, seven colors in the, in the, in the visible spectrum, but, but you know, I'm talking about three. I mean, there are many, many facets to who Jesus is, but these three in particular. And uh, he came to be the one who would possess the spirit in all of these many sided aspects to make a full anointing, uh, the anointing of fullness, the anointing of power, and all of this would work together in one comprehensive redemption that it work in our lives. We need him as prophet, we need him as priest, and we need him as king. As prophet, Jesus brought the revelation of God, and when he preached, he preached with the authority of God. Uh, this is interesting because it shows that Jesus is a prophet, but really he is the prophet. Because as the son of God, he knew God so completely. No one has seen God at any time. But God, the son, has revealed him. Who could disclose the father more than the Son. And we shall see that when the Son came, He came as the fullness of prophecy. And He was the full and final revelation of God. So He, the prophet, Jesus Christ, is the final prophet. We don't look for anybody else, as we shall see in a moment. Now, we have a prophetic ministry, but our prophetic ministry is derived from His perfect prophetic ministry. But we'll teach about that 
in the weeks that are to come. So as prophet, Jesus spoke the very word of God. Unlike other prophets who said, thus says the Lord, Jesus said, truly, truly, I say to you. So he is a prophet, but more than a prophet, he is the prophet, the full and final revelation of God in the person of Jesus Christ. Any religion, faith, or philosophy that says we need a word beyond the word of Jesus is at variance with God's own messianic revelation in Christ. So we accept Jesus Christ as the Son of God and the final prophet. Jesus is the seal of prophets, as we shall see. So, but he also taught the scripture. The Old Testament scripture, Jesus handled. He handled it with authority. Giving perfect revelation and understanding of the Old Testament scriptures. For example, he would say, truly, truly, you have heard it said, but I say to you. He spoke with equal authority to the scripture, upheld the scripture at all times, and interpreted it magnificently, perfectly, but in so doing, also spoke additional words to the Old Testament. So we have the New Testament. The New Testament is the word of Jesus Christ. Not just the Gospels. The things that Jesus said. I like Bibles which are written with the words of Jesus written in the red. Because it's good to see the word of Jesus directly recorded from his mouth. But that doesn't mean to say that the rest of the New Testament is secondary. Not at all. The revelation of Jesus Christ covers the whole of the New Testament. Because the Spirit of Christ was speaking in Paul. That's why there is no contradiction between Paul and Jesus. The Spirit of Christ spoke through Peter and all the other inspired writers of the New Testament. And indeed, it is the Spirit of Christ who spoke through the Old Testament prophets. So he is the source of all prophetic revelation. As we shall see, he is the very word of God. No other prophet has ever claimed this. So as prophet, Jesus brought the word of God. He brought the revelation of God. He preached and taught scripture with authority. As our priest, our high priest, Jesus cares for his people and deals with their sin compassionately. As priest, Jesus cares for his people and deals with their sin compassionately, which means he deals with our sin compassionately. Hallelujah. This is a Bible study, but we can say hallelujah. Amen. Amen. And as king, Jesus rules and reigns over his people. Now, I want to say two things about these anointings before I come back to talk more about Jesus. These anointings are relevant to us. They're relevant to us as believers. The Reformation doctrine of the priesthood of all believers is, uh, doesn't just apply to, to the anointing of priesthood. We all are anointed to come into the presence of God. We are priests to God. But we also are prophetic people. I believe in the prophethood of all believers. I also believe in the kingship of all believers. We are in training for reigning. Every verb that describes us as kings is in the future tense except one. We know that our future rule and reign with Christ is going to, it's in the future. Although we learn how to exercise his authority now. So, God's purpose is for every single one of us to move in this threefold anointing of Christ in our own lives. It's derived from Christ. It's not equivalent to Him. We, we owe it to Him. He is our anointed head. And as the head is anointed, the body is also anointed. So, as the body of Christ, we are to move in the prophetic anointing, to move in the priestly anointing, and to move in the kingly anointing. And so... All of these anointings operate in our lives so that God's rule can be established and ultimately not just in our lives over all things. As prophetic people, we are called to know God, to receive the revelation of God, to move in the revelation of God. The prophetic revelation that we have means that we are called prophetically to speak God's word. 
The chief prophetic word of, of all is the gospel of Jesus Christ. We are heralds and prophetic people. And when we proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ, we are standing in the line of ancient prophetic tradition and anointing in Christ. As priests to God, we are called to serve him in priestly service. Our every act of devotion to Christ is part of our priestly service. It's a lifestyle. The whole of our lives is a priestly offering unto God. And we are to serve him in his presence. The priests were the only ministers in the Old Testament that were called to minister exclusively to the Lord. So this shows the whole of our lives, not just our ministry in church services, or our ministry in the gifts of the Spirit, or our ministry in our cell groups, but everything we do is a priestly offering to God, lived in His presence. This is the teaching of Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount. In the second part of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus reminds us that our Heavenly Father sees us. We are in His presence at all times. But our kingly anointing means that, first of all, we are called to surrender to His kingdom. Surrender to His rule, as is prayed in the Lord's Prayer, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. May thy kingdom come. May thy will be done in me as it's done in heaven. Down on earth, this bit of earth, beginning with me. We surrender to God's rule. But in, as we operate as his kingly subjects, we are also called to extend the rule of Jesus Christ by extending the influence of Jesus through our lives. That is our kingly authority to exercise the authority of God. And in the name of Jesus Christ, we have the keys of the kingdom, the power to bind and to loose the name of Jesus Christ, which is powerful over demons, powerful over every sickness and every disease, powerful over situations and circumstances operating in the name of Jesus in the kingdom of God. So that's about every believer. But I also believe that these three anointings are relevant to us as leaders. Church leadership should be built on the model of Christ. Not on the next hot tip, the next trick or fad. But to understand that if Jesus as our great leader and governor is anointed as prophet, priest, and king, then as leaders, we will reflect this. And I've discovered in my ministry that these anointings somehow, in a way, earmark different kinds of leadership. Prophetic leaders are heavily principle, word-orientated people. Priestly leaders are heavily pastoral and people-orientated leaders. And kingly leaders are heavily performance related they want to see the job done it's like a kind of apostolic leadership and I think it is good for leaders to develop a balance between these in their own lives but normally we'll find leaders will excel in one above the others that's why we need a plurality of leadership and so that's just a few things to whet your appetite for when we come to see how these anointings work in our lives. I want to say a few words about the interpretation and significance of this doctrine. The doctrine of Christ's threefold office represents Jesus as the Redeemer. In other words, all of these things we need in order to be saved. In order to be redeemed in the full sense. Not just to be saved from the penalty of our sin. But to be restored in every part of our lives. And also these three offices of Christ fulfill all the Old Testament prophecies. Concerning Messiah. And concerning the one who would come to be the mediator of the new covenant. And so in a way, all of the Old Testament prophecies are fulfilled in this ministry of Jesus. Threefold ministry as prophet, priest and king. And therefore, every human need is ministered to and met by Jesus as prophet, Priest and king. Do you see how Christ-centered this is? To understand who he is 
and to begin to know him consciously in each of these three aspects of ministry. And everything that God promised concerning salvation and focused in the Old Testament more and more in the hope of Messiah. You can see it from the very beginning in Genesis 3.15 that the seed of the woman would bruise the snake's head, would crush the snake's head, and the snake would bruise his heel. That was the first word of the gospel. And from Genesis 3 onwards, this prophetic revelation unfolds and builds and grows and brings forth with every successive generation of God's people an intensification of a yearning and a desire and an expectation that Messiah would come and fulfill the promises of God. The hope is in Messiah, the anointed of God. So I also believe that we can only feel ourselves secure and fully blessed only when all these three offices and every blessing of salvation is found in a single person. Very interesting. It's not as if God has decompartmentalized his salvation and given to one person the ministry to achieve one aspect of salvation and then given to somebody else to achieve another aspect of salvation. No, the expectation of the Old Testament is right on the mark that there would come one who would be given as God's gift of salvation, the indescribable gift. And we don't have to look here, there, and anywhere or everywhere. We look at Jesus. He is the fullness of the Godhead, and he lives in Christ in bodily form. So we are complete in Christ. And when we understand him as prophet, priest, and king, we can begin to see how complete our salvation is. So let's now, for the rest of this uh, study, look at Jesus as prophet, priest, and king, each in turn. You need to know that the expectation of the Old Testament as the revelation developed and unfolded was that there would come one who would be the ideal, perfect prophet, the ideal perfect priest, the ideal perfect king. Because while there were many prophets, priests and kings in Old Testament times, many of them failed. In fact, they all failed in one way or another. Many of them, all of them were sinful in their own being. And that is seen in varying degrees. Some were more righteous than others and some did a better job. But, but they all failed. And when God said you need a prophet, a priest and a king. And then generation after generation brings failure upon failure upon failure. But God says you still need a prophet, priest and king. There's only one solution. And God says I will provide for you the ideal, the fulfillment the great prophet, priest, and king. So if we turn to Deuteronomy chapter 18, these should come up on the screen. I will go quite quickly in the scriptures so I can try to cover as much of my message as I plan to do today. We're looking at Jesus as prophet. Now we know that God promised that there should come a prophet like Moses. In Deuteronomy 18 verse 15 it says, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your midst. From your brethren, him you shall hear. A prophet like Moses. Verse 18, I'll raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brethren. So this will be a human. And I'll put my words in his mouth. And he shall speak to them all that I command him. And it shall be that whoever will not hear my words which he speaks in my name, I will require it of him. Here is the picture of God himself raising up a perfect prophet. And while there were many prophets, there was none that was perfect. And so this expectation grew. When is the prophet coming? 
Not when is a prophet coming, the next prophet, but the prophet. The one like Moses, but here a greater than Moses. Because if Moses could do it, why didn't God say, Moses, you are the full and final prophet? No, no, no. The time was coming when God would send his prophet. This prophet was identified as Messiah. The Messiah, the one who would bring God's supreme revelation. In John chapter 1, he is described as the word of God. Now, when you say that Jesus is the word of God, you understand that he is more than a prophet. He's not one who brings the words. He is the word. This tells us straight away that he is a prophet, but more than a prophet. He is the very word of God. It's funny how that in some uh, religious texts, he is described as the word of God. How can they not see? From their own religious text. That the one who is the word of God. Is none other than the prophet. The final perfect prophet. One who doesn't just bring the words of God. Not just the mouthpiece of God. Not just God's dictation machine. But the very word of God made flesh. Hallelujah. In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him. And without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life. And the life was the light of men. And we know that this one is the son of God. As he's described later on in this prologue to John's gospel. So he brings God's supreme revelation. He is the word of God. Therefore he is the full revelation of God. And if you have a full revelation, you don't look for another one. You say, this is the full one, I accept him. And any teaching that says he's not the full one, rejects him as Messiah. And not just as son, but rejects him as Messiah. It's very serious. The full revelation, John 3 verse 34. For he whom God has sent speaks the words of God. For God does not give the Spirit by measure. In other words, Jesus received the Spirit without measure. Just imagine who could receive the Spirit without measure. None other than God the Son. You and I cannot receive the Spirit without measure. In other words, the infinite Spirit of God. The measureless Spirit of God. We could not cope with that all we can do is be baptized in him and receive him in our lives but all of him no we will be spending the rest of eternity exploring the depths of the spirit of God but because Jesus is the prophet and indeed more than a prophet he is the son of God how important it is for us to know that he is the full revelation of God John chapter 5 verse 16 says, For this reason the Jews persecuted Jesus and sought to kill him, because he had done these things on the Sabbath. But Jesus answered them, My father has been working until now, and I have been working. They were ready to stone him, because he was making himself equal to God in their eyes. He called God his father, but he says, Up until now my father is working, And I'm working. And this was blasphemy. Because he was saying that he was involved in the very activity of God. Not just doing the work of God. But he was God himself at work. That's why they wanted to stone him. Verse 18. Therefore the Jews sought all the more to kill him. Because he not only broke the Sabbath. But also said that God was his father making himself equal with God. Then Jesus answered and said to them, Most assuredly I say to you, The Son can do nothing of himself, but what he sees the Father do. For whatever he does, the Son also does in like manner. If you say the Son can't do anything of himself, it makes it sound like he is uh, inferior to the Father. No, not inferior, but dependent. 
because he works in harmony with the Father. Don't forget that I and the Father are one, Jesus said. There is only one God. You cannot set the Son against the Father or the Father against the Son in no way whatsoever. But he says, whatever the Father does, the Son does in like manner. Jesus is clearly claiming to be on an equality with God. Very clear. And there is no corruption in this text. No corruption at all. The very most ancient scriptures, the most ancient copies of the New Testament contain the words that I have said, dating right back to the first century. Not just worried about whether it dates back before the seventh century or the sixth century, but to the first century. Before there was anybody else who could stand up and say, no, I am the final seal of the prophets. The words, the uncorrupted gospel, the uncorrupted text of the scripture declares that Jesus Christ is the son of God and the prophet of God. And I'll show you the relationship here. Jesus begins to reveal the relationship between his sonship and his prophetic ministry. Whatever I see the father do. I do, or the Son does. He's talking about himself. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all things that he himself does. Who could possibly know the deep things of God to that depth? No prophet could know that. Prophets could only see in part. But everything the Father does, the Son knows about. Because the Father makes it known to him. And he will show himself great, show himself, show him greater works than these that you may marvel. Verse 21. For as the sun raises the dead and gives life to them, even so the son gives life to whom he will. Who is the Lord and giver of life? If none other than the Lord of life himself. Verse 22. The father judges no one, but has committed all judgment to the son. That all should honor the Son just as they honor the Father. He who does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. This is no peripheral Christian doctrine. This is at the heart of our faith. Without this we have nothing. And anything that contradicts this cannot say it is supported of, of Jesus as prophet. Because if Jesus the prophet declares this, then you must bow the knee to him and worship him as the son of God. Amen, amen. and amen. amen. The judgment of all is in the hands of the son. Amen. This shows us how powerful. Now you see, because Jesus is the son... In the bosom of the Father, he is able to reveal God fully. You see, in the Old Testament, the prophets could only speak about God. They could describe what they saw, what they heard. But the Son knows the Father because he shares the same nature as the Father. And that's why we understand that Jesus is the prophet, but more than a prophet. He is God the Son manifested in the flesh. And because of this, he is the final revelation of God. Let me show you this. Hebrews chapter 1. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1 to 3. God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past to the Father's by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his son. Let's pause there. There's a comma there. Let's pause. The writer of the Hebrews is explaining how in the Old Testament there were many, many prophets. And God spoke through them in many different ways and at many different times. Showing that there were incomplete revelations, partial revelations, sometimes big, big manifestations of revelation, like during the time of the prophet Moses. 
Sometimes there was a lot to be said, massive revelation. Sometimes there was a word here, a word there. Lots of different prophets at different times who spoke in different ways. And now he says, in these last days, God has spoken. You need to know that that word spoken is in the punctilia tense. In other words, it is a an event that has taken place at a point in time. So in other words, this isn't God speaking and then he's got something else to say, then got something else to say. It's saying after having said all that he said through all the prophets who spoke in all the different periods of history, right up to this point now, God speaks fully, definitively, and finally. Full stop. And he now says, he doesn't just say Jesus as the prophet. He says, God's son. In other words, he's, God has sent messengers in the past. But this final messenger was none other than him, his son himself. Bringing the complete and final revelation of God in the person of Jesus Christ. And look who he is. Whom he has appointed heir of all things. Through whom also he made the world's. Who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person. And upholding all things by the word of his power. When he had by himself purged our sins. Sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Here we have him prophet, priest and king. Did you see that? He speaks the final word of God. He purges our sins as priest. He sits down at the right hand of the Father on the throne of the universe. This is our prophet, our priest and our king. And we worship him and we adore him. And by him and him alone we are saved. So he is our prophet. Now we're going to see him as our priest. Once again we... Understand the Old Testament promised the perfect priest. 1 Samuel 2 verse 35. Seeing the failures of the human priesthood. Or the priests, the human priests. God says. Then I will raise up for myself a faithful priest. Who shall do according to what is in my heart. And in my mind, I will build him a sure house, and he shall walk before my anointed forever. That's a prophecy. No human, merely human. All priests had to be human, as we shall see. How can you represent man before God if you are not human? An angel can't be our mediator. Only the God-man, Christ Jesus, can be our mediator. In his humanity, he holds us with one hand. In his divinity, he holds God with the other hand. That's how he can represent us to God and God to us. Hallelujah. This one who would come would be the builder of the restored temple. Zechariah 6, verse 12. The full passage is very interesting. It talks about Joshua the high priest. Who was the anointed high priest, the one who was going to be part of the restoration of Israel. He had been born in captivity and felt so utterly disqualified for the task of being God's holy high priest. And Satan, the accuser, accused him. And God said to Satan... The Lord rebuke you, Satan. The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is this not a brand plucked from the fire? And then the filthy garments are taken away. And God clothes him with the beautiful, pure garments of his holy calling as the high priest. And then there is a prophecy that comes. The prophecy of my servant, the branch. And in Zechariah 6 verse 12, it says, Then speak to him, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, saying, Behold the man whose name is the branch. From his place he shall branch out and shall build the temple of the Lord. And when you read this in context, it says here, 
If you walk in all my ways, you keep my command, you shall also judge my house and likewise have charge of my courts. I'll give you places to walk among these who stand here. Hear, O Joshua the high priest, you and your companions who sit before you, for they are a wondrous sign. For behold, I am sending forth my servant, the branch. That is verse, halfway through verse 7 and verse 8. And then it describes who he is. The anointed one. And there are, there's also Zerubbabel, anointed by the Lord. This wonderful passage, which a Christian uh, quoted earlier. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit. These anointings of Joshua the high priest and Zerubbabel, the one who'd rebuild the temple, are pictures of the coming Messiah, who'd be anointed as prophet and as, as priest and king. To build the house of God and to serve in the house of God as the high priest of God's people. To administrate their salvation. And we are that temple of the Lord. So he is the high priest, the priest king after the manner of Melchizedek. You've heard that in Psalm 110 verse 4. The Lord has sworn and will not relent. You are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. And the book of Hebrews describes that Jesus Christ, his priesthood is not the earthly Levitical priesthood. But this is the priesthood of priest and king. And those two officers were not allowed to be held in the same person. But in Christ they are brought together. The ruler and high priest of all of God's people. Melchizedek. That order of priesthood is a heavenly priesthood. He's priest forever. And all the parallels between the earthly priest, king, Melchizedek, priest of the Most High God and king of Salem, Salem, who was a real historical person. The parallels between him and the picture that he is representing of Jesus Christ, the one who comes in the power of an endless life. More teaching from the book of Hebrews to go into that more deeply. So these prophets, so these prophecies are fulfilled in Christ. As our priest, he has finished the work of purging sins. We read it earlier in Hebrews 1 verse 3. Who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, upholding all things by the word of his power. When he had by himself, in other words, his own body, purged our sins. He sat down. The finished work of Jesus Christ. He doesn't stand anymore to serve as a priest by offering sacrifice, no, no, no. He ever lives now to make intercession on the basis of the sacrifice that he has made for us forever. That's why he is forever in heaven. We have a heavenly high priest. You do not need, and in fact it is such an insult to God to think that you need another priest. A priest on this earth through which you need to go to get your sins forgiven, to get your soul saved. No way. That priesthood is finished forever. We have an ever-living intercessor who is seated at the right hand of the, of, the, of the presence of God in heaven. And we look to him. He is our advocate. He is our mediator. There is one mediator between God and man. That's the man, Christ Jesus. The God-man. Christ Jesus. Hebrews 4 verse 14 says, Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens and stayed there. Jesus the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. Here the author is comparing and contrasting the Levitical priesthood by which these men and only one which was the high priest in office at the time of the time of, of, the, of Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. He once a year, twice if you read it, but once a year he was allowed to enter into the Holy of Holies. Which was the most holy place where God manifested his presence on this earth in the tabernacle and then later in the temple. But they had to come out again. But this one, when he passed into the presence of God, he qualified to be our priest forever. His blood was so powerful that it meant we didn't need any more sacrifices. And the blood of Jesus keeps on cleansing from sin. And so if we have such a great high priest, we can hold fast to our confession. 
In other words, when we declare that we belong to Christ, Christ operates his priestly ministry on our behalf. Hallelujah. And we can persevere. We can hold fast. We can come before him to present our needs and receive mercy and grace when we have those needs. That's why he is the priest forever. Not because he is perpetually offering himself upon the altar. No. After the death of Jesus Christ, he was raised again and entered heaven itself with his blood. To make full atonement and eternal atonement for our sins. Hebrews 5 verses 5 to 6. He is the priest forever. Christ did not glorify himself to become high priest. But it was he who said of him, you are my son. Today I've begotten you. Talking about priest and then he says son. You see, Jesus as Messiah is Son of God and as the Anointed One, He needs to be the Son of God to give us the full revelation of who God is. He needs to be the Son of God to give us full representation in the presence of God. But not just the Son of God, He needs also to be the Son of Man so that He can be the God-Man who is capable of dying on the cross and reconciling us to God. Forever in heaven. The priest forever. You are my son. Today I have begotten you. This does not mean that there was a time when he had not been begotten. This is the time when God owns him for who he is. He is declared to be the son of God with power by the spirit of holiness when he was raised again from the dead. This is God declaring him for who he is. He always was. And always is. And always will be. The eternal son of the eternal God who is our father. Amen. In another place he also says, you are a priest forever. According to the order of Melchizedek. And that is both priest and king. These two offices join together. And because he is son, he is prophet, priest and king functioning together. And this is how he is able to provide for us eternal salvation. Hebrews 5 verses 9 to 10. And having been perfected, he became the author of eternal salvation to all who obey him. Called by God as high priest according to the order of Melchizedek. The author of eternal salvation. So what's this bit about him being perfected? He learned obedience by the things that he suffered. He had to be perfected in his humanity to live a life that would qualify as the perfect human being to represent a sinful human race before a holy God. So it wasn't just that God could do this from heaven. To pronounce forgiveness in the name of the Son. No, there had to be atonement. There had to be a lamb. There had to be a spotless lamb. A lamb without blemish, without spot. Upon whom God could lay the iniquity of us all. For God to simply say, I absolve you from sin without paying the price of it. Is to sweep our cosmic dirt under the carpet. And God does not house clean like that. Sin must be punished so that God can be both just and the justifier of one who believes in Jesus. God in his justice punished Christ who took our place so that the judgment that should have come upon us has been carried by Jesus. This is a basic concept of justice. That means we can be free by the blood of Jesus Christ. And because he's, he's done that once for all, we have eternal salvation. All our sins have been carried by Christ on the cross. For he bore in his body our sins on the cross. He was made sin, all our sins. And all God's wrath concerning all the sins of humanity were carried by Jesus as our substitute sacrifice and our savior. Now I'm teaching these so that you can gain confidence. 
study this and be prepared and able to present it to people who would argue that Jesus is not the Son of God. He that has the Son has the Father. He who does not have the Son does not have the Father. If you don't come to God through Jesus Christ, you will never reach Him. No matter how religious you are, how moral you are, how good you are, how sincere you are. It's all about knowing Christ. Amen. He is our great prophet. He is our priest. And he is our king. And we know that God promised a king who would reign forever. We're probably more familiar with those prophecies. Isaiah 9 verse 6. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And again, this one is the Son of God. Unto us a a child is born, a son is given. He always was the Son of God and he is given. The Son is God's gift. He didn't become the Son when he was born in this world. He always was the eternal Word, the eternal Son of God. God always was the eternal Father. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And the government, the kingdom, will be upon his shoulder and his name. Who is he? He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. He will be a father to his people. Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward even forever the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this God is going to make Jesus Christ king in reality over everybody over everything every knee shall bow when we look around and we see earthly kingdoms rising persecuting kingdoms rising Those kingdoms rise, those kingdoms fall. But the time is coming when the kingdoms of the earth shall become the kingdoms of Christ and of our God. Don't look, when you look around and you see evil men prospering. When we think of the kingdoms of this world, the kingdoms of wealth, the kingdoms of mammon, the kingdoms of atheism, false philosophy, false religion, the kingdoms of economics, all human governments, or even when we see various religions springing up and, 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 and making, take, uh, make, growing. And gaining apparent advantage. Know this. That Jesus Christ. He alone is king. And he is seated on the throne of the universe now. Il est là devant Dieu. Au côté de Dieu. Amen and amen. Car il est ressuscité pour toujours. Hallelujah. Je ne sais pas pourquoi je parle un petit peu en français. Peut-être il y a quelqu'un qui m'entend maintenant. Et que, que Dieu vous bénisse. Amen. Did you know what I said? Can you imagine? I just repeated myself. He is seated at the right hand of the Father. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. When Christ returns, he is going to put down every rule and opposition. But in the meantime, we can voluntarily surrender. There are people who are building earthly kingdoms through bombs and bullets. People building kingdoms of religions. Certain religions today are nothing more than earthly kingdoms built by earthly power. That's why they use fear, intimidation, laws of the land. That's why they use invasion in the name of their religion. When Christianity did that, it was a shame upon the name of Christ. When other religions do it, they do it in the veritable name and following the example of their founder. So the kingdom of God is coming in our hearts. He is the divine son, but also he is the human son. He is of the earthly human lineage of David. Isaiah 11 verses 1 to 2. There shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse, 
A branch shall grow out of his roots. The spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. The spirit of wisdom and understanding. The spirit of counsel and might. The spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. The anointed Messiah is the king. That's why he's fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah 61. The good news of salvation. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me. Because he has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He rules and reigns through gospel truth. That's why we must preach the gospel. His kingdom is extended by the gospel of Jesus Christ. His kingdom does not extend when we sit here, wave our little flags of hallelujah Jesus. It's when we get out there and preach the gospel with signs and wonders in the name of Jesus Christ. Rise up people of God in the name of Jesus Christ our King and extend the kingdom by preaching the name of Jesus so that people may choose if they choose to, and we pray they will, To bow the knee to Jesus and say, I receive you as my Lord and my King. I tell you, the destiny of Britain depends on it. Our history depends on it. For there is a storm coming. A perfect storm coming. That shall hit at every front and every level the church of Jesus Christ in our day and generation. But beyond that, there awaits a fiery furnace. And God says, who can know whether by your prayers we can together push back the powers of darkness and avert the fiery furnace because if we do not it shall surely come I'm supposed to be teaching but I believe that's a word from the Lord has been on my heart hallelujah he is Christ the king tell the daughter of Zion behold your king is coming that's recorded in Matthew 21 Riding on the foal of a donkey in fulfillment of Zechariah 9 verse 9 to 10. This is the clearest, most unambiguous self-declaration of Jesus Christ as Messiah. He chose the donkey. He chose the time. He chose the place. And he deliberately rode that donkey in to fulfill the scripture. And saying to everybody, I am the Messiah. And we know when he rode Jerusalem, it was not many days after that, that they crowned him, not with an earthly crown, but a crown of thorns, because that's how he qualified to be our Savior and our Redeemer. Thereby, dear friends, by confessing Jesus as Christ, we as his people express that we find in him the fulfillment Of every prophetic prophecy and every needful activity by which our salvation may be secured. We confess that the fixed aim of Christ in our life is the restoration of his kingdom to us and finally through us until he hands it back to the Father in that great fullness of time. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 25, for he must reign till he has put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy that will be destroyed is death. For he's put all things under his feet, but when he says all things are put under him, it is evident that he who put all things under him is accepted. Now when all things are made subject to him, then the son himself will also be subject to him who put all things under him, that God may be all in all. He will hand the ruling, governing authority back to the Father and say, Father, I've finished the job. That will be the greatest moment in the life of Jesus Christ. I've restored the kingdom. Father, now you reign in all your glory. What do these things mean for us? First of all, surely we want to worship him as our divine Savior, Redeemer, prophet, priest, and king. We can be strengthened in our faith and assurance that we put our faith in something that is certain and secure. We can open our lives to him so that he can bring wholeness and restoration in every part of our life. And we can surrender to his kingship and serve him all the days of our life. I believe that is the true and full expression of our faith in Jesus the Christ, our great prophet, priest, and king. Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus. We praise you. We worship you. 
Why don't we stand in his presence? Let's do that. Give me the other microphone, please. Let's just stand in his presence. Nothing more to come after this. Let's just stand in his presence. Thank you so much. Why don't we lift our hands before him right now? I want you to worship him. We don't have a lot of time. We've got to honor the time and people are coming in for the next service. But right now, lift your hand in his presence. Come on, people of God. Let's worship him. Worship him for who he is. Oh, expand our vision of you, Lord Jesus. Give us a hunger to search the scriptures that we can see Christ in every line or on every page. The fulfillment of everything that we ever need or dreamed about. Everything God ever promised. Not here a little, there a little, but in the one person of God manifested in the flesh Jesus the Christ our prophet priest and king we have everything we need we worship you we cling to you and we surrender to you in Jesus name amen and amen now let's give Jesus a magnificent praise wonderful round of applause amen and